What's up, y'all? How's everybody doing? Hoping everybody's well. All right. Much appreciation. Uh, uh, Malika, uh, MLR, for that generous donation. Uh, uh, Rashid, appreciate that. Hope everybody is well. Uh, y'all know what it is. Uh, it's the Onyx Report with Dr. T. Hassan Johnson. And uh, we are doing a special episode. So I am dispensing with my uh, my my regular uh, format for the night because I got a couple of powerhouses and I think we're going to need a little bit of the time. So I just wanted to get straight to it. Um, but before we do that, we give a couple of people a, a couple of seconds to come in the room. What's up, AB Media? Uh, Officer Faulkner, I saw you in here earlier. I hope uh, I hope all y'all be in the after hours because I definitely want to uh, find out what's going on with you, brother. I know you just had surgery. I'm glad it went well. We're going to find out what's happening with you. Cornbread, what's going on? Um, let's see, Born Free, right? Hope everybody is well. It has been a very powerful uh, week. A lot of, and I mean that in the best and worst of ways. The last, you know, number of days have been ridiculous on a number of fronts. Um, but at the same time, there's been a lot of meaningful moments as well. Um, and one of them, definitely has to do with uh, one of my guests tonight. If you didn't see his last show dealing with domestic violence a few hours ago, you have truly missed out. So you definitely want to go check uh, when you're done here. If you haven't seen it, uh, Dennis Sperling's, uh, you know, I think it's the, the second to last one posted. He has one on Fox. So I think it was Fox soul. He was on, uh, but the one prior to that from earlier today on domestic violence, extremely powerful episode. Also, if you missed, Green Gorilla's last show, which also was about an hour and a half ago, he had some uh, profound words uh, to the Manosphere most particularly, but uh, but to Black men in general, uh, that again, if you missed out on, you definitely missed out. So you need to go back and check that. Um, and uh, please uh, make sure that you do. Uh, let's see. Excalibur, what's going on? Brandon, what's happening? Acquired. Uh, Taylor, what's up? Um, Prince, what's going on? Hope everybody's well. Uh, so we are about to get into it. And as I said, it'll be a little bit early. However, I do want to start with acknowledging my supporters. I want to acknowledge my subscribers and thank them in my own way. So here is that. Thank you. Right. So thank you to the subscribers. Thanks for supporting the Onyx Report. Thanks for supporting uh, the Institute for Black Male Studies. Uh, there's a lot of videos coming out. Uh, if you if you missed it, we already had uh, one of my guests tonight. Uh, I've interviewed him just one on one. And that that video is on the Institute for Black Male Studies website. You can find a kind of teaser 
uh, here on my channel on the Onyx Report. Click on that, go in the description box. It'll take you directly to the entire interview. You definitely want to do that. Uh, I will have one Dr. William Smith. That interview will be up tomorrow. I think you'll enjoy that. Uh, you know, he's the creator of racial battle fatigue and deals a lot with uh, microaggressions. Very powerful brother out in Utah, uh, professor uh, whom I respect a great deal. So you'll be seeing that video soon. Also have upcoming videos coming out with Kevin Smith uh, as well. I mean, Kevin Smith, Kevin Samuels, excuse me. Um, that, that'll be coming out soon. And a number of other ones that I think you're going to enjoy coming. Uh, you're going to enjoy seeing. And I'm also going to get, um, I'm going I'm to use this platform to uh, to chide my brother Dennis and see if I can interview him for the Institute of Black Male Studies. So y'all help me out because the brother's extremely busy. Um, anyway, so make sure you support the channel. Like, share, subscribe. Let everybody know what's going on with it. You can see the uh, the links at the bottom of the screen. Uh, so please go ahead and, and do that. You can support on Patreon, Cash App, or PayPal, or Venmo, or of course right here through YouTube. Uh, and it supports all the endeavors that we engage in. Okay. So normally when I start the show, I go into my categories and I am going to partially do one tonight, right? I'm going to deal with the sacred black masculine. And one of the ways I'm going to do that is by bringing up, um, a good brother who I've had the honor to meet, um, on Facebook. And I wanted to give him, uh, um, an opportunity to, I wanted to, I wanted to introduce y'all for those that don't know him and really give him, him an opportunity to talk about what he does but I'm bringing him in, in, in the sacred black masculine series. Uh, well, you'll find out in a moment. So let me go ahead and bring up Mr. Calvin T. Mann. How yes, you doing, sir. sir? Oh man, just bless, bless. Oh man. I just wanted to, to thank you for taking the time to come up, man. I've, I've been, I've been blown away by your work. Uh, Calvin is the national encourager is president. Uh, Calvin T. Mann, national encourager is president and founder of good fathers only and E-M-I-Y, Inc. He is a BME Community Vanguard Fellow, and you can visit his website at emiyworld.com. Uh, but, uh, brother, I just wanted to, to to really get you to tell us for in a couple of moments what it is you do and 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 share with us what you will about that. Well, I, I think for me, it, it became about solutions, everything that... Um, you see that you see from it just became about solution how okay. much work we could do so um what uh we have done is we mentor in prevention we had several awareness campaigns um one on our website is respect day but right now is the smash suicide campaign yes and that and smash suicide campaign literally is the campaign that brings the awareness to black boys and boys committing suicide. Black boys 5 to 11 are number one in suicide. So I flipped my whole website and our whole movement to target the solution that we possess and to share it with many, many people after 35 years of working with males. Beautiful. Beautiful. And so we've used our apparel, which have been on Ron's House, NFL Network, MTV, BT, uh, sports teams, college teams, right? And more importantly, just getting a brand out there of Emmy, which stands for encourage me. I'm young. And okay. that way we are able to give an answer to bullying and suicide, 
But more importantly, if you get your Emmy, it's about cultivating that leadership. We need more leadership and unity. So how can you expect unity if you don't teach unity? Mm-hmm. And so in our mentoring program, we teach male unity. Okay. Across okay. the board. Yep. And and so in that process, our secret sauce is fatherhood. Of course, right. you know, fatherhood is is the answer to many, 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 many problems. <laughs> many, many problems, right? And at, uh, fatherhood is connected to, you know, the whole, uh, you get to live longer. I seen my man Carnell, when we go back a ways, he and I both did the Men's Issue Conference. Okay. That's where we met in 2014. So we understand what we're up against as men, black men, preferably, and how we can make that much of a difference. So I just jumped out here by land shirts with kids were getting killed with one quote in 2004, 2007. A mom gave me my nonprofit. I took mm-hmm. that 2010, grabbed 350 boys on the east side, built my mm-hmm. mentoring program. Now it's evidence-based by certified by the University of Michigan. And we're yeah, getting ready to move into 10 cities. Beautiful. Beautiful. Congratulations. And matter of fact, in support of what you're saying, I just want to point out, I know you guys can't see it, but I am wearing my Black Fatherhood is the Cure t-shirt uh, <laughs> in honor of the brothers I'm having on here and especially uh, your work. So I just wanted to, to really get you up here and, and thank you and acknowledge you, man, because I've been seeing you you know, on Facebook, I've been seeing what you're doing, and all I could do was just say, man, that brother's doing it, and we need to honor that. So you are definitely uh, our, our first a live sacred black masculine guest. Uh, but here uh, on the Onyx Report, we celebrate black men yes. and boys. And so we wanted to definitely do that and acknowledge you. So thank you for your work. And and as one says, uh, as many of us say to the military, thank you for your service uh, because uh, our community and most particularly our men have been at war for centuries. And some of us seem to forget that. And our boys are definitely under attack despite how many uh, will overlook it even if they've grown up experiencing it. So we got to put it back on the front and, and, and focus on, on what we need to do to help uplift our boys. So thank yes. you. Yes. Celebrate fatherhood at all costs is what we do. Yes. These jackets, hats, all of that. But more importantly, right. Uh, what you want to do is be that, be that, be, be out front. I tell my young men, I tell fathers all going out front, get in front of it, be the leader yes. that everybody say you can't be and watch how many people follow you. There it is. There it so is. Thank you. Well, check out Calvin T. Man. Where can people get a uh, hold of you and where can they find more information? Go to Emmy World, E M I Y World.com. Donate, purchase, give a gift of encouragement to a kid, daughter, whoever may be struggling, man. Give them, I guarantee you, which has blown me away, is the results of somebody just buying us a, a simple t shirt making that much difference in, in, in a person's life. And uh, we're proud of what we what we're doing and what we're going to do. That's right. That's right. I'm going to go ahead and put um, your uh, the information from that article uh, in the chat. So, again, anybody that's interested in matter of fact, I'll also put the uh, the URL uh, so people can can check that out. Um, so, again, thank you for your work, brother. And it was good to finally be able to hear your voice. Yes, sir. And, uh, hopefully we'll we'll stay in contact. And if there's anything I can do to support, let me know. Yes, sir. Let's do it.
All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Yep. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to bring my two guests right up and we're going to jump right in, but I want to briefly introduce them. Um, first of which has been a guest on my show before. And that particular episode was ridiculous because uh, he gave people, he gave brothers in particular um, a plan on how to escape a bad situation. Okay, I'm hearing some sound here. Um, let's see, is that is that coming from me? You guys let me know in the chat if you guys are hearing an echo. Y'all know when I'm on StreamYard, whenever I bring people up, sometimes there's problems. Um, but anyway, uh, Mr. Attorney Dennis, Uncle D. Sperling, uh, who again, I'm telling you, he's been blowing it up. And, and, and if you don't know who he is, I don't know where you've been. He's, he's pretty much taken over YouTube right about now in the midst of running a successful practice in Texas and raising his sons. And I'm going to tell you, man, if you just watch the clips that he puts up about uh, him and his sons, that alone uh, will just really, uh, you know, put a tear in your eye. But uh, he's been doing some powerful work, really advocating for black men and boys. And uh, it's an, it's always an honor to be able to talk to him. It's an honor to have him on the show. So I just wanted to, to shout him out. And just real quick, uh, I'm going to show you um, his book, which I highly suggest you go ahead and purchase. Uh, so I'm going to put that on the screen there. Um, it looks like we got a little bit of an echo. Uh, Rules to live by, right? How to maintain peace of mind and happiness in a conflicted world. So I got, you know, I got it up here. Check it out. If you haven't already, definitely support the book. All right. Uh, next up, my next guest is uh, known as the paternity coach, uh, Carnell Smith. Again, if you saw uh, the interview we did uh, the other day, um, you know, that is uh, showcased on the Institute for Black Male Studies site. Um, it was powerful. It was it was it'll blow your mind um, all together. Uh, the brother has done extensive work and spent a quarter of a million dollars fighting his own paternity case, a case that he took all the way to the Supreme Court uh, and, and has a lot of profound observations to share about that experience and more in relation to his work advocating, again, for uh, men uh, as fathers, as husbands who are going through these experiences where they are, um, you know, uh, falsely uh, uh, said to be the father of a child that they didn't actually father. Uh, so, as I said, he took his case to the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, lobbied for and coached victims and advo uh, uh, while advocating across multiple states on how to create new paternity disestablishment legislation with uh, with the cr critical component, launched the Citizens Against Paternity Fraud Advoc Advocacy Group uh, that helped other states, uh, founded the former Four Truth Identities DNA Center and provided legal maternity, paternity, and immigration testing for 10 years nationwide, uh, exposed the impact of paternity fraud on military men and teen boys, exposed the impact of family law on men's marriage strike, launched the renowned uh, paternityfraud.com website, authored the Georgia Senate and D.C. Paternity Fraud Report. And um, I will also show you his book that I highly suggest you pick up as well. Um, his book is entitled Trapped by Law, Stop Paying Child Support for Paternity Fraud, uh, written last year or published last year. Uh, so check that out, right? Support the brother and definitely, uh, you know, you, you'll definitely benefit from having done so. 
So make sure you go do that. Uh, matter of fact, I will put the links. I mean, there's probably other sources. This is Amazon, but uh, I'll put the links in the chat for both books. Uh, so you can check those out. Um, you know, and uh, not only support some brothers who are doing some powerful work, but educate yourself uh, in a number of areas. So um, good brothers. Uh, thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Y'all both came on relatively short notice, but um, uh, Dennis, I'm not sure if you know, when I interviewed Carnell, it was the same day you did a broadcast with O'Shea dealing with this very issue. And so for me, it was, it was an incredible um, link, you know, between what Carnell and I were talking about and uh, what you and O'Shea did. So I said, you know, I've got to get these two brothers together. And uh, so I did a little commercial that uh, was a product of delirium. I was up pretty late. Mm -hmm. so, uh, I'm just going to put this together. But it, it really was in many ways uh, that in my mind. If I could get these two brothers together, we can have facilitate a dialogue on, on paternity fraud. It would be a powerful uh, event. So thank you both for coming. It's and my pleasure. I want to start by asking, um, Dennis, tell me, you know, how do you come to this work? Because we're going to get to Carnell, and Carnell's story is, is powerful. But, you know, as an attorney, as a father, you know, how did you come up on this subject of paternity fraud? What hit you about it, and, and, and why did you decide to go where you went with it? Well, uh, I originally, I graduated from law school 21 years well. 21 years ago at this point, and I had no intention of ever practicing any sort of uh, family law. But uh, I had children. Uh, I went through a divorce, and then I got a crash course in family law from my family law attorney. And uh, then about five years ago, I was uh, engaged. I was going to get married. I my my fiance at the time she. Uh, uh, I don't even think we actually made it to fiance, but you know, I, mean, I was on the cusp. She, she, she was on, she got pregnant and then she ran off with the baby. Her plan was to leave uh, Texas, go to California and have a child so that she could form shop and get a higher amount of money under California jurisdiction. So what I had to do is I had to file suit here in Texas serve her so that the Texas court would have jurisdiction. Now, some of you all might think, oh man, that's cold-blooded. How would you, why would you sue her while she was pregnant? Because if I hadn't done it then, I went then I would have been beholden to a California court, mm. you know, for the next 18 years. Mm. I would have had to fly out there. I would have had to go visit out there. But because I live here and the child was conceived here, then, you know, uh, you know, or at least that's what I alleged. More importantly, I lived here and I filed first mm -hmm. uh, and I took that 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 action. You know, it, it usurped her 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 attempt to try to uh, form shop and get the, uh, the most she could get the most she could for a baby. You know, wow. and it's, it's unfortunate when you uh, have to accept the fact that a lot of women are in it for a monetary gain. They see these children these days as um, an ability to make a profit. Um, I guess um, Mr. Kevin Samuels would say she was in the danger zone. And she saw me as her last opportunity to bag a baller wow. as her, her entertainment career was, she was heading up to 30 
and our entertainment career was coming to an end. And so why not just put this, you know, this lawyer on the hook, this uh, prominent, up and coming, stable lawyer, you know, with who's already a father. He's already a simp sucker and soft. <laughs> why not just get him for some child support? I may have been paying upwards of five to ten thousand dollars a month under a California jurisdiction. Whereas in Texas, we have caps and I have two other children. So it's significantly less. So um, that sounds to someone who's listening. Oh, my God, how could you do something like that? But the thing is, I wouldn't have been able to afford my my own children, my, my two children that I have here, my life, my lifestyle um, or anything. If I'd allowed her to gain that procedural advantage all for one child. Okay. Uh, forgive me, fellas. There might be a sound issue I want to check on. Mike Ship is saying my mic has an echo. Let me know in the chat if I if I'm echoing now. Nope. You're not. You, you don't hear an echo. Nope. Um. Okay, I'm not seeing any feedback yet on it. So okay. Um. All right, brother Carnell, if you could uh, tell us a little bit now. Now. If you haven't had a chance again to see the interview, Carnell went into great depth about his experience. And I'm telling you, it's mind blowing what he went through. But if you could give us, you know, kind of a, a the shorter narrative. Most certainly will. Tell us how were you, how did you come up on this? Well, um, I like the way Dennis described it. <laughs> and I, I would like to say I got bamboozled into my experience. All right. Uh, I had a former girlfriend who um, on February 15th, I broke up with her. She said some things to me and she, she said some things to me and pretty much told me that it was a take it or leave it situation. And I said, I'll leave it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And a few months later, she called me up and she said seven words that no man wants to hear from an ex-wife, <laughs> an ex-girlfriend or ex-fiance. Here are these words. I'm pregnant. You are the father. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> and I'm and I'm freaked out. I'm like, uh, wait a minute. First of all, congratulations. I hope you and your baby dad to be very happy. Right. <laughs> but why are you calling me? Girl, mm. I ain't seen you in months. Mm. Well, she said, you do remember February 14th, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh. And that right then. She says, and you're the father. I'm like, dang, man. Trojan man to let me down. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and you know, it's funny when they tell us that, that we can't do math. But anytime I've seen a brother in that situation, you develop some math skills with that calendar. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Well, but, listen, I could do some math. I'm an engineer by trade, and I actually yeah. have the title as expert engineer. <laughs> so I'm, I, I know some math, okay? But here's some things that, you know, my father told me, says, if you, you bring children in this world, you help take care of them. You be a part of their life. Right. There's something dad didn't tell me, though. Dad didn't tell me nothing about paternity fraud and that some right. women will lie. Like you like uh, counselor said about bag of baller. Yeah. All right. I was an engineer by day. I had eight crews of DJs. We charge two hundred dollars an hour, and I was doing corporate function. I show up with a laser, with a laser jock, lighting, sound, video. Okay. We could do your, we could do the grand ballroom at the Hilton. Mm. All right, 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she, in my opinion, was not willing to let her brother go. Okay. But it took me 11 years later to find out after she tells me, uh, she gives me another phone call. She says, you don't pay me enough money in child support. Mm. Wow. Huh? I'm like, what? Well, I'm paying you child support directly. No court order. Yeah. I'm doing what we want responsible dads to do. You know, we mm. keep telling men to step up, right? Mm-hmm. And when they step up to the plate, man, when it comes to paternity fraud, man, they get hit in the face with the plate. Wow. Yeah. So my pastor's father talked me into taking a DNA test because mm. every time she went to court with me, my parenting time went from unlimited to twice a week to nothing. Mm. And the court ordered her, ordered me to pay 40% of my net pay. I'm married. I got another son. I'm I'm under court order for the son. Wife is at home, about to have our baby any day now, and she is not going back to work. Wow. Needless to say, when I when my pastor dad told me to take that DNA test, he says, uh, you really need to take that test. So I take the test expecting to prove to him that the child is mine. Mm. I get those results back and it's double, it's double goose eggs, man. It's 0.0%. I feel like I've had a child die in my arms because I'm, I'm not allowed to see the child that I have a court order and I got joint legal, joint physical custody. Right. But I can't get the court to enforce the judge's own order for custodial interference and parental alienation. So now I find out I'm not the dad. And after I I take some time to soak it in, I call my lawyer. I'm like, there's no way this woman doesn't know she was involved with somebody else before she called me. I'm not willing to pay 40% of my net income for a kid that I can't see. That's not mine. And I'm not going to fight her over her kids she had with the other guy. So mm-hmm. I subpoenaed her, her mother, her girlfriend, and her siblings. And I got the whole story that she actually got pregnant by another guy in the adjacent state. And she named that guy in under 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. So I take it to the to the court and I say, well, your honor, according to the Georgia statutes, it says if I find a problem with the original order, especially with paternity, mm-hmm. within a year, and I found out within nine months, we should be able to remedy this judgment. And let's look, let's treat the whole thing uh, ab initio, void from the beginning. And because it's premised on me being the biological father. Well, guess what? I'm not. And she knows I'm not. And then uh, the judge said, well, it's your fault. You didn't find out sooner. <laughs> I'm like, but your honor, how would I know she was visiting another man out of state? Mm. So, as you know, once you get once you get it in the record um, trial court, I appeal to the state appellate. Um, I point out there's there's definitely some things flawed here. She knowingly and willingly concealed material facts from the court, from me and and probably from her own attorney, because she made the claim that I was the only possible father. Mm. when when by truth. By truth, had she told the truth, she actually got pregnant six weeks after I broke up. Yeah. I don't you you don't need calculus to figure that out that I was never mm-hmm. a possibility. Mm. But but I was the most financially attractive. 
Right. You follow me what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I take it to each appellate court, uh, state, state appellate, state Supreme Court, and everybody sends me back one line and it says petition denied. Uh, I also start lobbying for new legislation because what I found out, the more I went public on the issue, the more I found men and boys who were affected by the issue, mm-hmm. cross races, uh, military men, officers, non-officers alike, uh, men who have traveling occupations, the entertainment industry, uh, yeah. NFL, NBA, name a sport. We can find a dude who's been tricked. OK. And I present all this information and got these guys to come testify before a legislative hearing and got legislation introduced. At the same time, I'm keeping my case alive. After every appeal, I follow the next step and take it to the next court. Because mm. at this point, I'm asking, well, well, doesn't the court have a duty to correct a judgment that was based on a flawed assumption? Right. Because everybody thought I was a biological father, including me. But where, look, where did the source of that information come from, though? Mm. It came from the one person who knew there was at least one or more paternity candidates. Mm -hmm. And I I make the position that she should have an ethical, moral, legal, and, and, and at least a common sense duty to disclose before the court well, there there are other potentials. I don't care about her giving the names of them, but right when you, when you make an assertion as if that it can't be nobody else, mm-hmm. and the DNA says, well, it wasn't him, then in my mind, that's a lie, okay? So I appeal it, take it all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, raising the grounds, asking, well, what about, what about subject matter jurisdiction? And what about... Um, the, the issue about uh, involuntary servitude, as well as some, a couple of other things on, on the grounds of the law of, well, according to Georgia statute alone, I should have been able to attack the earlier judgment. Right. And subject matter jurisdiction in this case was everybody's operating under the assumption that the alleged or the accused is the biological or the adopted father of the child. I'm neither one of those. Right. That look, there's no way I'm going to be the adopted father. <laughs> mm. I'm not the biological father. And again, I want to couch this with I am I've had my visitation and parenting time stripped to zero. Wow. What if, what would I get out of staying in that deal for? Mm. Nothing. Well, the US Supreme Court um required that I send a copy of the legislation that I was lobbying for. I had to put the booklets together for that, ship it, get it to them. So they had two meetings on my case. After they read the Georgia legislation, which did pass, by the way, and got signed into law and I helped write it. They sent me back one line or said petition denied. And my whole strategy was that if we could get a decision at the high court, it would help men and boys in all U.S. territories, sure. every state, be able to use that case right. to overturn their case. And none of them would have to do like like me had to put up. I had to put up twenty five grand as a retainer to get started because mm-hmm. my lawyer said, man, we got less than a 50 percent chance of winning with two DNA tests and sworn depositions from the, the woman, the mother, 
her friends and everybody where everybody admit that Mr. Smith didn't know a thing about the other guy. Mm. And I asked these questions before the, the Judiciary Committee. I says, listen, if I had gone to jail under a false allegation of murder or rape, mm. this same legal uh, legal DNA test that proves it wasn't me right. would at least get me a new trial. <laughs> mm-hmm. You would think. Based on evidence. Look, not based on feelings, based mm-hmm. on theory, based on evidence. Right. Um, they said, yeah, but that's criminal court. And that's when I learned the harsh lesson that uh, what what your rights are in criminal court and family court, it, family court is far more invasive and intrusive. And the judge has a whole lot more discretion and can actually overlook and refuse to admit a DNA test and evidence unless there's statutory law to limit the judge's discretion. So that's what I did. I got statutory law passed and I went back to court after the Supreme Court turned me down and I used the new law to file an extraordinary motion for a new trial based on evidence. Mm. And I won and I'm the first guy to win using a law that I never thought I needed from me. Right. I was I was lobbying for everybody else. <laughs> mm. Real quick, we got now we got over 250 people watching. We have less than half the likes. Please like the show, support the support the channel. Uh, make sure we can continue to do this. Uh, Attorney Sperling, weigh yeah. in on this. Uh, and and I I purposely didn't call you Dennis or Uncle D. I'm saying <laughs> Attorney Sperling, <laughs> weigh on weigh in on this, sir. What's the deal with this, legally speaking? Well, just just let me. Here's my disclaimer. I practice uh, complicated civil litigation, car accidents, eighteen wheelers, mm-hmm. uh, big insurance companies, and I've since since 2017 involved myself in complicated class action, class tort cases, mm. and um, it's 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 I'm, I do very well, but um, family law is also in the civil realm. Mm-hmm. And let me let me say this, and I don't want to sound too harsh, but a lot of men approach this as if it's, um, as if they're playing with a friend, as if this person is still their lover. Yeah. And what you have to do is set all those emotions aside and you have to deal with your adverse, the adverse party, the woman, and her lawyer as if they are your stone cold enemy. You cannot be emotional. You cannot be, you not can, you can't cut them breaks. You can't assume that they're going to play uh, nice. You have to be ruthless. Mm. And so um, I, myself, I'm embroiled in a, in a um, custody agreement with my ex-wife right now, because even though I spent a lot of time with my children, I technically only get them six nights a week for the past a month for the past uh, 11 years. Mm. And what I do is I will go pick them up after work and take them to um, to their karate practices and jujitsu practices just so I can have a couple hours every day with them. Mm. But since I believe since quarantine, my ex-wife has decided to over enforce the custody agreement. And so it got to the point now I said, well, I'm just going to have to file refile. And um, 
Wow. You know, try to get my custody agreement amended. Mm -hmm. So it's been difficult for me. And this has mm -hmm. been going on since uh, June and July. My children, my sons are 13. They'll be 14 and 12. Mm -hmm. And so for the past 11 years, they've become accustomed to something. Mm -hmm. And so now a woman who I have a television show with, who, who I bought. I mean, this is after the marriage. I purchased a $30,000 four carat ring that I gave them to give to her just to say, Thank you for being a good mom. I'll pay for her vacation. So mm -hmm. all of that aside, I still have to yeah. make sure that I don't get caught up in the situation. Now, mind mm -hmm. you, I have not had any sort of relation with my ex-wife in 11 years. I'm, it's not, there's nothing like that going on. I just do that to try to appease her, to try mm -hmm. to keep her happy so she'll keep allowing me. I basically have to pay for time to see my, my children. And it's unfortunate. No good deed goes unpunished. Right. And so what I'm trying to tell you guys is, but at the time when I filed my divorce, uh, you know, I did everything I could. You know, now when the fight was over, I tried to be nice. But now we're back to to a custody battle. And you guys have got to approach this mm -hmm. just like it's a war. I say all that to say you're an idiot if you begin to pay child support without getting a DNA test. Mm -hmm. The minute a woman says that she's pregnant, you should ask for an in vitro DNA test. Mm. So you can get an in vitro DNA test while the woman is still in, the child is still in, in her womb. Mm. You can literally file. Now, some lawyers will tell, oh, you can't do this. Forget them, mm. okay? I'm telling you as a civil litigation attorney, family law is way out there, okay? Yeah. You file the lawsuit, by the time the baby is born, you'll have your first hearing. At the mm -hmm. time you filed a lawsuit, you asked at that point, I want to establish, I want to establish DNA right now. She can take a yep. DNA test in vitro. So we yep. don't have to wait till this child is born. We can get this out the way now. I don't want to see a baby. I don't want to get my family. I don't want people mm -hmm. looking at the child thinking it's mine. We're going to establish this right now. If you're going to go out there with your heart on your shoulder, you're going to get ate up. You need yep. to be ruthless. You need to go ahead and be, and, and be the minute a woman says, oh yeah, this is your child. You need to go ahead and get that DNA test so you can end all this because you don't want to end up like Mr. Smith mm. uh, years down the road. And he spent seventy five thousand dollars of his hard earned money fighting this hundred and fifty six uh, fighting a fraudster money yeah. he could have used for his own life and well-being. So, yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't you know, it's, it's just this is an area of fraud that we yeah. overlook because it benefits the government, the government and, and the women and the women because right. every other area in common law fraud is supposed to be treated with blinders. Mm. See the government deems a benefit in having some man available to pay for some child. Yep. If they don't pay for it, they understand they, they've done the studies. They know women, if they're forced to do things, if they're, they'll rather go live under a bridge than pay for five children. So the government has to pay for it. And if, mm -hmm. if there's a man who's available to pay, then they'll pick that man, the nearest man available. The other day mm -hmm. with O'Shea Duke Jackson, I was talking about the equitable parent doctrine, mm -hmm. which basically said mm -hmm. you don't even have to be the father. This is mm -hmm. a general principle of law. You don't even have to be the biological father or the adopted father. All you have to be is a man who takes up the fatherly role with some children. Mm -hmm. And then you will be forced to pay. You, She could then come in and say, well, Involuntarily, you can be forced to pay for child support for a child that's not yours. The case that I cited was a Michigan case, um, mm -hmm. I believe from 2005, called Stankovich. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, in this case, this court already ruled that this court stated that given its recognition that a person who is not the biological father of a child may be considered a parent against his will mm-hmm. and consequently burdened with the responsibility of support for the child, such a person in being treated as a parent may also seek the rights of custody or parenting time. Mm-hmm. So basically, this court also applied the equitable parent doctrine in later cases. Basically, what the court was saying, well, you know, we've already established that sometimes we can make people pay for children that aren't theirs. But, you know, under the equitable parent doctrine, now we'll just go ahead and let them visit with the child, too, because mm-hmm. before you would be forced to pay. But because it wasn't your biological child, because you were some sucker who got put on mm-hmm. the hook for a child, right. that, you know, you shouldn't be able to see the child. But, yeah, we acknowledge it's not your child, but you're still going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. You see how unfair that is? It's, oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Now, now, let me but, let me just quickly say to to those who are listening again, um, you it, here we have uh, attorney Dennis Merlin, right, whom you guys know is going to bring it every time you even hear his name. Mm-hmm. And then we have another gentleman here who, as he just said, put a quarter million dollars through on this, got policy passed in Georgia. Right. And and actually and several other states. Oh, okay. see, and several other states took his case all the way to the Supreme Court. You got these brothers up here not only telling you their stories, but giving you insight. And I got to beg y'all to click the like button. Mm-hmm. I go over to a couple other channels where it's just somebody just, you know, running off at the mouth and they're not even qualifying their remarks. And I'm not going to name names, but, mm-hmm. you know, they get you know, I'm just like, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it really doesn't make any sense when I watch these brothers do their work. That you know, half the time they're not even really even asking for nothing, and and there's so little support given. Support mm-hmm. the brothers you want to hear from. Support the brothers that have given you information that can change your life. Because I'm gonna tell you, 20 mm-hmm. years ago when I was mm-hmm. of age, to where all the I never heard any of this. There's yeah, no, it, it could, yeah. This could be, and I want Carnell. I want and, you know in a little bit. I want you to get to this in, in terms of how this impacts boys. Mm-hmm. You know, something you you you, you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier but i just wanted mm-hmm. to drop that to the audience because i'm i'm you know when i go to these brothers channels brothers who are putting in work i'm always mm-hmm. hearing them have to beg for likes we're mm-hmm. not even talking about donations yet just likes and i'm like mm-hmm. well, come on y'all support the ones who are bringing you what you need to hear across the board um well, this, That's it, words it, of wisdom. i want to pose this question to both of you mm-hmm. in terms of what you've seen especially in regard to to policy Right. How do you think this influences and shapes uh, women's behavior over the last few decades? What have you seen in regard Mm. to how these policies change, you know, how women approach men and even conceptualize relationships? And you know what I mean? And I've seen Mm. this in terms of grandmothers and mothers Mm. and daughters in terms of what's passed down. But I want to hear from both of you, uh, Mm. starting with, uh, you know, the the paternity coach himself and then coming back to uh, attorney Sperling. Okay. All right. So uh, good. That's absolutely good stuff. What counselor talked about on that equitable parent uh, doctrine. You know, I I think that was absolutely one of those one of those same sex cases. Right. That originally kicked it off. But now now the thing has grown tentacles and it can be used to snag other people over and beyond because, well, you kind of acted like a parent if you stepped into the role I know, listen, after what we have experienced as paternity fraud victims across the nation and add to that equitable parent situation, 
I know guys are afraid to be seen holding a baby to take a picture with because they're afraid of what the person will take the picture and try to do with it. You follow me? And and with that in mind, it's like you almost will start to discourage a mentoring type action activity in the neighborhoods. Right. Look, yeah. I've been married 30 years. Um, I was uh, a coach and a mentor for the kids Toastmasters Club at, uh, at a local church. And uh, I got to be honest with you, there's there's times I was like, I, I'll give feedback, but I. I won't do it if I'm alone. Are you hearing mm. what I'm saying? Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, these days, as as men, you got to be you got to be cognizant of the optics of how the thing will look, uh, and versus what gets said. All mm. right. But now back to your question, uh, uh, Doctor Son, about what have I seen in terms of with women? Mm. With some, it has emboldened their sense of entitlement. I've watched them boldly threaten. You better have my money or I'll, I'll, I'll put you on child support as if it is a weapon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for the guys that don't understand how, how pervasive they can get into your life with that and, and flip your program upside down, mm. that is not a veiled threat. <laughs> wow. Cause Listen, I had a case where a woman was able to successfully get child support out of three men for the same pair of twins. And it was only the third guy whose whose sister heard me on radio says, man, I think something funny about what's going on with my brother. Mm. And I don't think my brother is the father of these kids. And the way this woman did it was she threatened her ex-husband. She told him if. We go do the child support guidelines. They're going to make you pay me $1,500 a month. But if you work with me and you pay me cash, I'll take 900. He took that deal. Did you hear that? He took that deal. The former boyfriend who the husband didn't know nothing about. (laughs) She did the same thing to him. And then the new current boyfriend whose sister thought something was funny going on contacts me saying my brother needs to get a DNA test. Mm. Listen, all of a sudden now the scam gets unraveled because the third guy gets a DNA test and he shares the information with the other two guys. Once he finds out about them, Hey, everybody need to get a DNA test. Look, that's that's my position these days. Mm-hmm. As soon as they make the allegation mm. and, and for parents of teen sons, here's why you got to know about this. Any young girl can bamboozle your son, get your son to come to a hospital setting or child support office. Uh-huh. And where as a minor, he can't sign anything legally enforceable, except if he signs a paternity confession document. What they call voluntary acknowledgement of paternity or the paternity opportunity program. They got these nice, sweet, flowery names. Right. Because that boy is a minor, that gives them access to your money. (laughs) You got to understand. He dropped that on me while we were recording the last interview. You know, I almost paused the interview to go talk to my son right at that moment. <laughs> I'm like, I was I was a hair away from being like, hold on, brother. I'll be right be back. In one minute. <laughs> but listen, women, but guess what? My biggest support, though, my biggest support group across the nation, 
legislatively and advocacy wise are the honest women. Let me tell you who these honest yeah. women are. Would be your current wife who's who thinks your ex is the is the scammer. And believe it or not, women know some stuff about other women that unless you've been around, you've grown up with a lot of sisters mm. like me. Mm. I have seven sisters mm. and they tried to warn me and I defended look, I defended the girlfriend against my sister. Big yeah. mistake. I've had moms come in and say, look, I will pay for the DNA test for my son because I don't want to get my heart attached to this baby and my money to be attached to this baby. Because if this heifer mess with me and my money, I might have to go over there and clean her clock. Now, this is look, this is the alleged grandmother talking. Mm. Mm. And guess what? I do the DNA test in three days. Results come back and her teenage son is not the daddy. And the little fast heifer that's the kids, you know, the baby's mama, she want to question the accuracy of the DNA technology. Mm. We don't we don't find the biological father for the baby to three more dudes later. <laughs> Let me tell y'all, it, 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 and, and I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come to you uh in a in a quick second, Dennis, because I want you to, to tell us what your experiences and reflections have been on on the change in women's behavior over the decades in regard to these policies, but I'm gonna tell you the other scary thing, right? Carnell said one of the, some of the scariest words you'll hear is I'm pregnant and it's your baby. Uh, I'm gonna tell you the other scary thing I've experienced. I've had a woman punch the mattress mm. after sex when I either pulled out or had a condom on, like punch the mattress in frustration that right. I didn't come inside. You mm. want to know how terrifying that is mm. to watch? And, and and this is not somebody you've had any kind of idea would would have any you know plan yeah. of anything that you're just in, engaging her. You're getting along. You have sex, and once she she notices that you did not ejaculate in her, punches the mattress in frustration. I'm gonna tell you, mm. we talk about a shift in behavior. I'm not at all arguing yeah. that this is all women or anything, but I am saying on a macro level, when you it's have there. policy. It, it affects behavior. Uh, yeah. come well, look, why, why, look, why spend money on a lottery ticket? All you got to do is play enough guys. Oh, look, instead of having six babies with one guy, six babies with each different guy using the child support guidelines is, is more profitable than the lottery. And she doesn't have to do, look, she don't even have to report that income. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Come on in, Dennis. Break, break us down. What, tell me. I, uh, I want to share a, a post that was posted about a decade ago, and this is from a young woman who um, basically was asking about the equitable parent doctrine. Since we were mm -hmm. on that, mm -hmm. it, it you can allow if you can allow it to come into the screen real quick. I'll sure. read it out loud for your audience. It says, uh, "Can you make a male babysitter pay child support?" I am a single <laughs> mom going to college with. Uh, with, let me see, with my sister. We currently rent an apartment together. A couple of weeks ago, I asked my neighbor, a trustworthy guy, if he could watch the kids for two hours while I went to class and my sister wasn't home. He agreed. If he babysits and doesn't accept pay, can I sue him for support because he took on the fatherly role? I'm sure I can convince the court that he accepted the fatherly role. So when the question is presented whether or not women's mindset has changed over the past 40 years, my answer is emphatically yes. They see this as an opportunity to come up. They see this as an this is a this is a money 
grabbing scheme. And until we do something about it, it's not going to change. I'm going to give you two cases, two celebrities that we all know, Shaquille O'Neal and uh, Chris Brown. If you guys remember, Shaquille O'Neal was living in Florida at the time he filed his divorce. He realized that his wife apparently, allegedly, had been taking money from his bank account or, or whatever. I don't know. I don't know the stories. I'm just going to say allegedly. He And so he filed for divorce. She then at some point, convinced, we'll say this, they reconciled. I won't mm. say she convinced him to get back together. I'm mm. sorry. Let's do it again. She then reconciled with him. She immediately moved to Los Angeles and refiled the lawsuit for divorce. Mm. He had initially filed in Florida, so a Florida court had jurisdiction. So instead of getting a Florida divorce, with Florida numbers, she moved to California and got California numbers. Any trial lawyer can tell you that. Anybody, you can Google that and see the difference in the child support systems. So yeah, did she venue shop? Is that something that we talk about in law school? That's one of the basic things they do. So to think that women don't know what they're doing, right. you're just fooling yourself. The mm-hmm. second so, thing. So, so real quick, before you go into the second one, is it yeah. safe to say that when you get the knock on the door in July and the and you answer it and she's got a trench coat on and y'all have broken up, is it safe to say that you need to think about that situation? You need to think about that seriously. I mean, you know, I'm here. I don't give I don't give relationship advice on my page. You know, I just I let brothers speak and I try to give them the same advice that I would give my own sons. And that's mm-hmm. that's the measuring stick. That's the yardstick I use as to what I would say to black men. There's some things I do. I wouldn't want y'all to do them because, you know, Uncle D is on the boat with a bunch of women sometimes. I wouldn't tell you guys to do that. You see what I mean? I'm always going to try to give you good, ethical, moral advice. And I'm telling you, I would tell my own sons, look, man, leave that girl alone, man. There's four, mm-hmm. four billion other women out there. You, you know something shady is up, man. At some point, you got to cut her loose. She's mm-hmm. got a chance to revamp. That's why when you file a divorce, you don't unfile you always go all the way through because now that she's seen your plan and your game plan and you caught off guard, she's never going to trust you again. If it's over, it's over. Don't threaten to file a divorce. Just file a divorce and move out. You yeah. see what I mean? Just file a divorce and, and deal with the repercussions. Don't ever give her a second chance because once she once she gears up, it's, it's, it's already in her favor. You see mm. what I mean? The system is already set up in her favor. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing I want to talk to you guys about Chris Brown, and this went the other way. As you guys know, Chris Brown is a famous singer. He is a resident of California, a citizen of California. Uh-huh. Apparently, his lady was a citizen of Texas, Houston, mm-hmm. Texas. She was pregnant. He went ahead and filed suit here in Texas because we have caps on child support. Whether you make a, a, the $10 million a year or $100,000 a year, the top amount of money you have to pay in Texas is $2,500. Or that's it. And I know I know black folks don't like Republicans. I get that. But it's the Republicans who came up with this, which is called the golden baby. We Mm -hmm. don't play that here. So Mm. this capped at twenty five hundred dollars, you can't get more no matter what, unless the child is handicapped or something like that. But other than that, any normal, healthy children is twenty five. So she fought and fought and tried to get the jurisdiction changed in California. And he would not dismiss the paternity suit. Kind of similar to mine because my ex girlfriend tried to get me to, oh, well, well, you should dismiss it. Oh, you're stressing me out. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm having your baby. How dare you do Mm -hmm. something like this? 
oh my God, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, nah, initially, mm -hmm. Florida. What about Florida? Like, no, I don't like those laws either. We've already established that the case is going here in Texas. Mm -hmm. So he didn't mm -hmm. relinquish. Mm -hmm. He continued forward the suit. Now Chris Brown can live his life and not have to pay fifty or sixty thousand dollars a month, right. because all he has to pay is twenty five. And she's stuck with that. That's yeah. it. And so that's a case where a man took the initiative mm -hmm. and protect his wallet. I say this, mm -hmm. and I and I hope y'all remember this and y'all live by this. You can't let a woman ride in on a mule and ride out with the castle. Ooh, <laughs> okay? Goodness. My lawyer, my family law lawyer, he's an old school brother. When mm -hmm. I was going through my divorce and I was sniveling and whining, he said, mm -hmm. you, married, you married her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just trying to get you out of it. Right. <laughs> right. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you, fellas. You got you to gotta watch your wallet. Right. And you got to mm -hmm. protect yourselves because you will not be able to move on with your life if you got some woman digging in your pockets. No other yep. woman wants to come in and 25, 40% of your income mm -hmm. is being mm -hmm. snatched away by another woman that mm -hmm. you yep. dealt with 10 years. She might as y'all might as well still be in a relationship. Absolutely. So stop being weak. Stop trying to be gentlemanly. Stop assuming these women are just uh, sugar and spice and everything mm -hmm. nice. That's mm -hmm. the negative side of chauvinism. Yeah. Treat mm -hmm. them like they're human beings. Treat them like they will do everything that another human being will be, will do to preserve uh, or to to, to, to preserve their own interests or do what's in their own best interest. And when you take that attitude and you take the emotions out of it yeah. and you do what's in your own best interest, you'll be a lot better off. So you, what you're talking about is really reevaluating chivalry because we were yeah. we were all taught that that's, that's how we were supposed to act. But one of the things I noticed even that's that's against that, us. Yeah. Doc, if it was another man coming up to you trying to steal your wallet, it could have $1 in it or $10. You would fight them with it. You see that, right? Now, what if a man came to you every uh, another man came to you every month after you cash your check at the bank and said, "Give me forty percent of what you got in your pocket right now"? You would fight him to death. Yeah, but when right. your woman says, "You need to give yep. me forty percent of everything you have and don't ask me no questions or nothing like that," you okay, honey? Yes, mm -hmm. dear. That makes you weak, and that's why these women don't respect men because they haven't had to, especially mm -hmm. black men, because mm -hmm. we've been told what? Oh, the black woman is the you know the queen. Mother, <laughs> whatever yeah. she says is right. We've been conditioned to that. And mm. so that's that's one of those things why black men in particular, along with the other socioeconomic problems that we have, that's mm -hmm. why one of those reasons why we fail. We fail when it's time to defend ourselves. And mm. I'm telling you, brothers, you're going to have to do better. You, you, I can't help it. But I'm see, not. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, but this is this is no, this is why I, I brought in Calvin earlier. And why mm -hmm. I talked about, you know, uh, the, the things you guys are doing behind the scenes. And I was glad that uh, Carnell weighed in on the stuff he's doing with boys, because if you look at it, most of us, obviously, in the black community, upward toward 80 percent are raised in single parent households that are female led. Now, mm -hmm. and, and when you talk, when you factor in school, right, over 90 percent mm -hmm. of the teachers are female. Mm -hmm. so, and if you if you talk about college, the majority of the faculty and staff and student population are female all so the way lack of masculinity absolutely so structurally speaking from from birth all the way through graduate school you are primarily in spaces that are female-led so we are mm -hmm. conditioned in many ways to serve women to prioritize women and and not think about ourselves hence the whole falling on your sword type of chivalry mm -hmm. being right. posed to us as the standard of masculinity and yet it tends to lead to this the other point i wanted to bring up 
going to, to something Dennis said a moment ago, is when you look at what feminists were doing, particularly in the 70s and the 80s, there was mm-hmm. a slim period of time when they were arguing that, uh, you know, alimony was mm-hmm. a form of oppression. Mm-hmm. Right? They argued that alimony was a form of oppression and they needed to break from, from you know, patriarchy in terms mm-hmm. of doing that. But after a few years, they started to notice that women weren't transitioning into being these independent workers the way feminists en- envisioned that they should. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, child support, you know, became twofold. It became about financing the child and making up for what feminists had initially pushed away in terms of alimony support. So then you started to get yeah. these crazy kinds of uh, demands on what kind of payments you should mm-hmm. get. I'm, t- I'm saying this as a father who mm-hmm. as a, you know, I'm a widower. I'm a father. Mm-hmm. I've been raising my son for the last 12 years uh, by myself. Children are not that expensive. No, no, exactly. I put it that way. Look, go ahead. You can you can exactly see that the child suddenly the cost for raising the child costs more just by changing the address from my house to her house. Get it? And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. When the kid and her were under my roof, mm-hmm. we didn't spend that much money. Mm. There's no look. There's no way if we were under one roof, I would spend forty percent every month of the incoming money on the child mm. because that's over and above what the needs were for the child. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm talking about ha- after having fully funded a college fund for the child, mm. uh, took care of, of, of extra things, extracurricular things there. It's uh, let's be honest with you. Uh, there's a lot of us in the uh, men's right advocacy groups. We refer to that as hidden alimony. Mm. Because mother doesn't have to give any account for how it's spent, where it goes. Yeah. But I'm going to be, I'm going to taste, I'm going to say something that I think uh, that counselor could, could echo is a lot of guys from my working with the fatherhood program initiative for over six years is they think how much they love the child and how much they pay are connected and they get duped on yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. get manipulated and they get completely fugabooed. On, I'm like, fellas, you got to get out of it. I says, man, you are self-sabotaging your own future. I says, listen, I wouldn't pay a dime over what the guideline does. And I says, if the child needs anything else, then I'll take care of it while I got him with me. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why your heart is up here and your wallet is down. I like that. I like yeah. that, Uncle D. You know, you, you, you got to. Unfortunately, we have a simp culture, as the young brothers say. Brothers call them simps. I think that actually came from E40 from back in the day, from my era. But uh, you brothers, you get your, you know, you leave with your wallet. Uh, I'm a real man. I pay my bills. Yeah, I'm a real man. I, 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 hand, I handle mines. Yeah. yeah, and then you next thing you know, you're a broke man complaining, contemplating, you know, offing yourself, drinking and mm-hmm. using drugs, going to the strip club. And you can't mm-hmm. find a decent woman and move on because you've let this last woman play you, play you. And now you're mad at all the rest of the women because you allowed yourself to get yeah. played. Mm-hmm. Set it up. And so what I'm trying to tell you, brother, and see, it's only so much I can do, uh, doctor. Because see, doc, when I talk to Bale, he's me. Look, I've had every woman that loves me other than my wonderful, lovely soon to be fiance who's different <laughs> and from a different culture. They've all told me that I'm evil. Mm. Okay. They literally said my baby mom, my ex-wife, and my mama, you evil. You evil. Cause I don't 
I don't I treat them just like they're equal. I treat them like you're a human being. Treat her like a dude. <laughs> and and I'm not gonna play this game with you. This exactly. is not gonna happen. And if you don't like it, well, that's fine. You're grown up. I'm gonna go about my business. I wish more black men would develop this mentality. Some people yeah. call you treacherous, they would call you ruthless. But Cut the thing throat. is, I yeah, I have to make sure that I can take care of myself and my sons and maintain my house and maintain my life and my future. It's not selfish because mm -hmm. I don't want to give some woman an exorbitant amount of money for child support. It's not selfish because I want to spend equal time with my children. That's right. not exactly. selfish. That's just me being a human. And so what I want you brothers to do is you got to develop thick skin. I know a lot of us are conditioned to be soft and nice and weak, and we think that's paying for this and paying for that. But that's not. That just makes you look like a fool, bro. Mm. Yeah. I want you guys to take a look at something. This was this was something we developed uh, amongst the Onyx uh, Report supporters last uh, last summer, basically, heading into the election, right? What I noticed is I couldn't find a political agenda that spoke mm -hmm. directly to black men, right? Mm -hmm. Whenever I saw a black political agenda, you know, it was kind of generic and it was what it was, but often it would lean in directions that prioritize women's issues as if black men didn't have them. Mm -hmm. And when I saw interviews with groups of black men, when there was a, you know, sort time period where candidates would even ask, because y'all mm -hmm. remember they had the whole uh, get on the poll and vote campaign with the strippers trying to get black men to, to vote, which was ridiculously patronizing. But that was buffoonery, in my it, opinion. No, it was. And when they asked black men what your concerns were, many could not articulate them because we mm -hmm. had not really sat down and talked about what our list of issues were. So mm -hmm. this is compiled with mm -hmm. over, um, you know, with the support of over 10,000 subscribers. And we developed the black male political agenda. Now, mm -hmm. You'll notice number one. Now, now, let me just let me just say, if you go all the way down to the bottom, you'll mm -hmm. find uh, there's 14 points, and many of them have subpoints. Many mm -hmm. except mm -hmm. subpoints, but the number one point on here was family court reform. Yeah. Very first issue, and for those of you who haven't seen this, I'm gonna go ahead and put the link in the in the chat. It's it's basically newblackmasculinities.wordpress.com. It's my blog, and mm -hmm. I keep it as a pinned. Uh, blog at the top, even though I'm still making more. But the mm -hmm. very first issue is family court reform. And the very first issue under that, you know, the sub issue is child custody should mm -hmm. automatically be 50 50. Right. Yeah. Now, this is not written by me. This is written by brothers who are who are bringing in ideas based on their own experiences. Yeah. So the first thing they opt for was 50 50 custody. They opt. The second thing was mandatory paternity testing at birth. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was the next thing. Uh, right after that, reinstituting uh, at fault divorce standards. They mm -hmm. talk about financial abortion mm -hmm. and have mm -hmm. the right to choose what to do with their bodies. Men should have the right to opt out. You know, we 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 heard Dave Chappelle joke about it, but he mm -hmm. did it in a brilliant way. He said, "If you get to a to to kill him, I should at least be able to abandon him. And if I'm wrong, maybe we're wrong." Mm -hmm. But so he mm -hmm. talked about a financial. I mean, a financial abortion. Uh, that was another option. Uh, child support value system. Mm -hmm. The system where good services and time spent with a child is calculated and valued at a dollar amount. Mm -hmm. uh, he also talked about uh, there's another one here that I thought was key to the conversation. Here we go. Required mm -hmm. formal, formal, formal child support management reports. Ensure yeah. that child support payments are earmarked specifically mm -hmm. for approved child related expenses only. 
Mm-hmm. On and not a windfall to mom. Exactly. Payments used on non-child related expenses must be accounted for by mm-hmm. the custodial parent. Any mm-hmm. thoughts about these? Oh, uh, definitely. Definitely. I, oh, yeah, I like that. I, yeah. Look, I support those. I do uh, legislative uh, uh, support even now saying that, look, children should start out with equal custody of both parents. But mm. that's not the case today. Mm. Yeah. If the father is unmarried, unless he knows some things from the beginning and start prepping and getting prepared when he hears these words and he's taking that step like uh like uncle d said he's done that prenatal test and it came back yep yep issue bro you stuck like well guess what that's the time he need to be putting his strategy in place otherwise guess what happens the unmarried father he starts out at zero in most states Mm. so mom gets a hundred percent as the de facto custodial parent and he has to go make a compelling case. But yet, what do we keep hearing again and again in, in PSAs and, and when they want to throw these statements at us? You you men need to step up the plate. They claim we have fatherlessness in the neighborhoods and in the community. I'm like bull feathers. I call bull feathers on that. I mm. say there's a lot of dads not involved because they got to fight through the mother and the grandmother. I says mm. they are being active thwarters of that dad being involved because he won't have a relationship with her. Right. And she's just trying to prove a point now about manipulation right. and control. Mm-hmm. Well, you better have my money. Mm. Yeah. Right. I, uh, I, I, here's, and we actually had a conversation about this the other night. The first thing I would say is do away with any financial incentive that exists yes. for a, a, a divorce. Do away with any financial incentive that exists Mm -hmm. to actually have a child out of wedlock. Now, Mm -hmm. it's easier to tackle the financial incentive. Now, look, let me tell you this, fellas. If you've been with a woman for 20, 30 years, you know, and you built a business up with it, you're going to have to help, right? You can't just leave her for a younger woman and then that ain't right. That's not even the Bible and the Holy Quran talk about that. You that goes way back. You can't do that. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if you are, if, if you, have a child with a woman and y'all are not married, there should be 50-50 custody off top and there shouldn't be any child support required Mm. unless there's a reason why they can't, there can't be 50-50 child support. Mm. And that is only a temporary modification until there can be 50-50 child support. In other words, what you're doing now is you're putting as much, there's no, there's not going to be any money exchanged unless this child is a handicapped child, unless the father is, Let's say overseas in the military, he can't spend or they, they work something out. But there should be 50-50 child support. Now, here's another thing. This is going to bother some people. We need to do a residency restriction. You cannot live further than one contigu- contiguous county away Get it. from mm. where the, the, the parents are. You, in other words, y'all had that baby somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's when you guys need to stay. So mm-hmm. what that does is it guarantees that the children will go to the same school that mm-hmm. in either place and on mm-hmm. top of that eliminated child support. Guess how dra- guess how much the out of wed- wedlock birth rate would drop if women wouldn't get any money from anybody. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be profitable. Back. Yeah, there's no more profit in it. As long as you keep feeding that with yeah. money, yeah. then it's going to keep going. It's just, it's just like the welfare system. As long as you keep rewarding women to have children outside of wedlock, they will. It's human nature. 
Right. Any 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 one of you idiot legislators that's listening to me right now, any one of you judges that's listening to me, try it for a year. I promise you, it'll work. Mm-hmm. But you know, but go ahead. I, no, but can go I weigh ahead. in on the policy side <laughs> that's driving this? Go ahead. Please. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So so at the federal level, there is the social security section, is social security title 4D, section 458. Get it. That provides the bonuses and the financial incentives to the states to mm. finance the child support enforcement program. Mm. So what it does is it provides those states with metrics that they have to meet every year. One of those metrics is they got to improve their paternity establishment. Mm. It doesn't say they have to be accurate paternity establishment. They just got to improve their numbers. Mm. So one of the things they put in place with that was the paternity acknowledgement program in the hospitals. And they, they, they crafted this program beautifully is to take advantage of that guy emotionally, get him to hold that baby, tell him how much that baby looks like him. And he is emotionally disarmed. He doesn't have legal representation. He is not prepared to make an 18 to 21 year decision. And your teen boy and a grown man alike can sign right there for the obligation and the responsibility to pay and have no rights to the child. All right. The next thing is that they have to have an improvement on their child support collections. Mm. So if we are improving our program, And our program is what it is incentivized to set maximum amount of child support based on minimal contact with the non-custodial parent. And since over roughly 80 percent of the custodial parents are moms, then we know that uh, roughly 80 percent of the non-custodial parents are dads. Mm. So it is it is structured and set up. So to ensure you get maximum dollars collected. You minimize the amount of time the kid gets with the dad, unless the dad knows how to be an effective advocate for himself and mm. come in and talk about how it's in the child's best interest that this child have frequent and consistent contact with both sides of their family and not just my wallet. Mm. Now, there that bonus pool is over $500 million. And listen, I had a state governor reject legislation that we had gotten passed through the assembly and through the Senate for reforming paternity fraud because somebody told him if he signs that bill, he vetoed it because he said they told him that he would lose $40 million in child support money. He ve- he didn't give a flip about the, the civil rights of the military men that his own state and in multiple bases where one chapter of, of paternity fraud victims had over 600 military men who were victims of paternity fraud. And many of these guys got tagged under an incorrect default judgment while they were actively deployed in combat. And, and you can't even take a default judgment against an active military person in any other sense. I, if I have in any I, other if, area of law, you can't do that. Let me tell you something here. You know, as I said before, I deal with car accidents. Right. So if I want to take a default judgment against a missing party, I have to certify to the court. And I literally have to go check the registry, the military roles and all I have to make sure he's not a military uh, mm-hmm. in person or on duty, active duty military person. Otherwise, they won't allow me to take a default judgment. It's only mm-hmm. after I certify 
mm-hmm. under penalty of perjury, perjury and possibly a reversal of that judgment that they will allow me to do that. But in family court, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, we'll take defaults against military guys. So and what is that? Like? And, and, and brother, and, and Carnell, uh, Mr. Smith, what's what what's what state was that on? Is that a, what state was that? You mean the, where the, where the governor vetoed? Yeah, the you don't have to name the governor, but what state? I, was I, I'll name him. <laughs> Governor Gray Davis in the Get state it. of California. Hey, look, let me let me tell you guys something. I'm gonna tell y'all this. Okay, let me let me get up closer to you guys. All right. I know that we've been told that those conservatives are bad guys. I know that. But there's a reason that 20% of black men voted for that the guy that just got kicked out of office. Mm. Because as I said before, here in the state of Texas, with these conservatives. Okay, and and look, we know they are Confederate flag flying, all that. We get that part too, right? I don't want you guys to dis. But as far as watching your wallet, Mm. okay, there's a reason why 20% of black men went that way and voted red instead of blue. Okay, Mm. there's a reason why, because we're quickly realizing that one of the parties, one of the major two parties, has the best interest of black women in hand, and the other major of the uh, other of the two parties kind of tend to go with what we are kind of looking for. Mm. And people are, men are slow. I've never, look, I've, I've always been a lifelong Democrat. I've always, I've always voted for all the presidential, but see, the thing is what I'm noticing, these policies that they're coming up with don't favor men. They don't favor money earning patriarchal men with 62% of black men entering into the middle class, 20% of which have become uh, with the, you know, elite high earners, rich, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Our political uh, ideology, our political needs are now no longer tied to the needs of African-American women. We're not tied at the hip anymore. We're just different. Fifty one percent of black men don't have children and aren't married. OK, thirty one percent of black men are married, of which about twenty five percent of those guys are married to women outside the race. It's only about 18 to 20 percent of black men who are married with children. Maybe those guys share more with the 70 to 80 percent of women who have children out, black women who have children outside of wedlock. But our needs are different. Yeah. I don't want to pay all those taxes. I damn mm-hmm. darn sure don't. We need some we need some reform. And I'm telling you, the best place is going to happen if you get one of them. Well, what do you want to do? And it's like, come on up here. That's what you need in office. Not a great day. Okay? Go ahead. No, he's not going to cut you any favors. OK, because he's beholden to another group. Now, whatever your political affiliation is, I'm telling you to vote your own interest and watch a while. All right. Yeah. I think a lot of people do that, but just, you know, as a legislative consultant, I have my, I have my personal uh, political ideology, but Mm -hmm. when I go, when I'm lobbying for family law reform, I have to lay that, I have to lay that aside. I I, got to work with whoever got voted to the seat. (laughs) Yeah. So I work, I work with you. If you libertarian, if you're from the Communist Party of, of America, if you're Democratic or Republican, I'll work with you. Yeah, yeah. Give you an idea how effective that has been is that we got the legislation passed through both houses in California yeah. and in and in my own state. OK, which is a red state. OK, going more purple. All right. Yeah. But irregardless of that, I was able to get the House of Representatives to vote 163 to zero in favor of the bill. Wow. That's and that's all parties in yes. the Senate. I got forty five to five, and I got a a Democratic governor to sign it. 
and I'm a fiscal conservative. It's yeah. not about political ideology because right. what right. I was talking about, it was not a political issue. It was a human rights issue. And men and boys were getting beaten with the stick. Yeah. You hear me? Not getting the short end of the stick. They were getting beaten down, being told you should be quiet. You should just shut up and take it. And I position the fact that, listen, when you do this to this man, then you're setting this system to stay in place to do this to her own son later. Yes. yes. And, and look, and for you brothers who think you can escape, let me let me tell you something I found out recently. If you have a child, I know a lot of brothers, SYSBM, save yourself, black man. We're going to go overseas and get some of these overseas women pregnant. They know the game, too. Okay. You know that the Dominican Republic and Jamaica and many of those islands have a special agreement with both Florida and New York. And mm. if you get one of their lovely ladies down there pregnant, they will put you on child support and have your money being sent down to Kingston or yes. Santo Domingo. So you can't escape it. You're not going to stay in mind. If you are an American citizen, if, if, your, if your feet touch this soil at any point, your girlfriend down in Colombia, Okay, your beautiful woman in Thailand, all of them send a little email out to a family law lawyer here in the US of A and get and grab your <laughs> grab your ass. Is that what they call the long arm statue? <laughs> Look, the long arm statue will reach over and catch your wallet. Yeah, it bro. will snatch you right up like that and get that wallet there, get that 25 oh, and have yeah. a whole family in Thailand living like kings and empresses. Absolutely. Okay. Especially so it's, off of it's nothing you group. You gotta get the law changed, fellas. You right. can't run exactly. <laughs> and I think what that speaks to is that black men, especially, we have to become far more politically savvy. So we yeah. fall into this, and it's not that hard. Listen, well, it's no. not that it's not, hard. But I'm and, and I'm hearing both of you advocate for that because if you didn't see, Dennis did a video just before the election uh, mm -hmm. last fall that was powerful, where he broke down, you know, just the whole question of politics and where black men should stand, and mm -hmm. and really what I heard him saying, and I think I hear something similar. Um, from Carnell is that we got to become more savvy. We can't fall into this mannequin one against the other kind of place mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. our set of needs are very unique. Our situation is extremely unique. There's no other group that are living like black men. It's mm -hmm. really not happening. So we have to develop a politic that complements our experience. And in many respects, there is a, a there is a large gap between how we experience the world and even how black women experience the world. Now I don't say that, yeah, you know, yeah. in this desire like, to like this, having to talk. No, it, yeah. it, but I'm saying it, it, I don't say this it, it, as a as a as a, an attempt to jab. I'm saying we live two different qualities of life, oh, mainly absolutely. because of policy. And that's one yeah. of the things I want to get. Yeah. Look, when I get students that come into my classroom for the first time mm -hmm. and they're taking Africana studies, and it's it, when I ask them, when do you think the black family broke down? I get two responses. The, the first response is it broke down. That's that's, that's the first response. Right? Oh, they're oblivious. And, right. And their kids, they're 17. You know, they okay. and the okay. second response is slavery. Oh. And I'm saying no. No. It no. broke down no. in my no. lifetime. In my lifetime, yeah. the black family broke down. Now that doesn't mean anything to them because you know, after yeah. the age of 20, they just think, you know, they, they, as far as right. I'm 70 years old. <laughs> you know, I had them once ask me what the civil rights, what the March on Washington was like in 1960. I was like, I wasn't born here. I'm not, they have no sense of age in that sense. But my only point being, 
Bless you know, the idea that the black family broke down in, in the latter part of the 20th century, especially in relation to policy, a lot of them don't know that. I mean, this is something that, you know, when you, when you so when we talk about this question of, you know, uh, if you take this kind of political stance we're talking about, one of the things you'll hear is that you must hate women. You know, who are watch shaming tactic? Matter of fact, it's a red herring. It's it a is. red herring, very and it's meant to throw you off. The very first comment on this video before we even started it. Mm. I don't know if it was I didn't remove it. I don't know if it's still there, but okay. with the first response to this is who hurt you? Right? <laughs> That's the common refrain, and the idea is that we hate women. The issue is not about hating women. It's about understanding the ways in which the family was undermined using policy. Women mm -hmm. were conditioned mm -hmm. to see us as lottery tickets. And if you take what both mm -hmm. of you are talking about, mm -hmm. if you shift the policy, it mm -hmm. doesn't take more than a generation to really or two at best, at most, to mm -hmm. shift the dynamic of the family. But the incentives mm -hmm. work against the interests of the family and mm -hmm. prioritize her. And she's gotten to the point where she sees it as a right. Exactly. That, yeah. What I said about entitlement. What did I say about entitlement? Absolutely. And when you call it an entitlement, she calls you a misogynist because to yeah. her, it's not something she gained through policy. It's just something that exists because she exists. It's just there. Uh, <clears throat> listen, that's like the people who tell me about, about health care should just be free to all. And when you ask them, well, okay, well, the money's got to come from somebody to pay for it, right? Okay. And 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 you know, those of us who are in middle, upper, upper, you know, income don't want to pay 49% of our income when we have a huge base of people who pay no taxes at all, don't want to work and are look, are willing, uh, excuse me, are capable of working, mind mm. you. I'm all for helping people who need help, need a hand up mm. you with me. Mm -hmm. I'm all for helping in that capacity. But when I had family members who could work and they was like, man, what you doing, man? I'm just chilling, man, till I get my check, man. I'm waiting on the first and I'm waiting on the 15th. Mm. Now, those same family members laughed at me when I worked three jobs to pay my way through college and graduated in the top three of the class, not 3%. I was third in the class. Mm. And those, those, you know, that that work ethic that my father and our moms, you know, encouraged us to pursue it with a spirit of excellence. It 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 gave me more opportunities, and I'm not mm -hmm. saying that's the only way somebody can can excel in life. Entrepreneurship will work, but at some point you got to commit to a spirit of excellence, putting your best foot yeah. forward, right, in order for it to pay off. Right. But when you do start to to manifest some fruit in it, you don't want to give it all up in taxes. Yeah. yeah, especially especially to a a base of people who are able to work, but they figured out. Wait a minute, hold on. I get this much if I have two babies. Oh shoot, I'm gonna have four more. Right. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's an it's a monetary incentive put in place. But just for your edification, Doctor Tia Son Johnson, I have created along with Mr. Donovan Johnson twenty typical black. Black woman responses to factual and logical arguments. And so if you, I put the link in my chat room. So at, at, on page one, number three, it states, say he is only calling out black women's foul behavior because he's bitter or has been hurt or say he has some type of mental problem. The best reply is you seem to be focusing on the likely, my likely motivation. Nevertheless, 
even if you are correct in your assessment to my motivation, as to my motivation, that does not change the truth of the assessment of your behavior. So I'm going to put that link in there. Feel free to use it. There's 20 of them. And because these, these, they, they, they use these so often, I mean, some of, you know, the attempts at emasculation, they're there. Mm, it's yeah. there for, for everyone. It's free to the public. It's another, per, you know, public service uh, 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 from, from attorney Dennis Curling and friends. All yours. I like that, counselor. I like that. But I've encountered that, too, even when I'm lobbying for legislation, right, at the fam for family law reform. Yeah. It, why, why must improving the situation for dads and kids be viewed as a loss for mothers? Yes. Right. Because it is, bro. Because they yeah. you messing with their money, man. But, but here's you what know? I said. Look, I yeah. said, what I said. At some point, these ladies need to have enough uh, income paid in the social security system for them to be able to have something meaningful down the road. Yeah, I said, so, asking them so, to be responsible. I can't believe you were doing that. You must it, hate women. Exactly. Smith. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I was yeah. saying, listen, look at how much. Look, look at all this. If the father has a child half of the time, look how much time she has to be able to develop her her marketable and educational skills mm. so she can be gainfully employed oh. above minimum wage. Uh oh, yeah. I mean, why would we look? We shouldn't be holding her back. Let's help her. Mm. And, and, and let me let me tell you guys something else, because I know there's some lovely some of these lovely ladies out there are thinking this. They're saying they just should have chose better. Mm -hmm. They just should have chose better women. I don't none of my girlfriends put I don't put nobody on child. None of my none of my. I know. Yeah. I know that's what you're saying right now. And my response to that is it's not that you haven't. It's that others have. And on exactly. top of that, we want to eliminate that particular opportunity. We want to eliminate that avenue. See, yeah. we want to obliterate that. See, the mm -hmm. reason that a lot of women who don't have their husbands on child, who don't have their men on child support, that, that they still support those women who are exploiting this system is just in case they have to. They want that opportunity to be there. Mm -hmm. You see, it's the, mm -hmm. it's the reason why you could have a woman with a Ph.D. who's an upstanding one woman out here defending women's behavior, like the, mm -hmm. the behavior of. Uh, uh, what, what's the young lady's name? Fine from Texas. I forget her name, man. Wop girl, the two Wop girls. Fine. Oh, what's the name? Cardi oh, B hey, and Cardi B. Italian. Yeah, they some fine women. But you, the mm -hmm. reason you have women defending that mm -hmm. behavior is because they want to have the opportunity to maybe do that, and they if they want to, and they don't want to feel ashamed about. It. So mm -hmm. I get that, ladies. But we're telling you this is a problem. We're telling mm -hmm. you that the exploitation of the child support system, separating men from their children, parental alienation is a mm -hmm. problem. It's part of the reason why the black family has been utterly decimated yeah. in the mm -hmm. past 20 to 30 years. And we as responsible thinking men have to do something about it. And you ladies mm -hmm. should step out of the way so that we can. Well, and and, and I'm getting requests in the comments uh, uh, if you could put that link to those oh, yeah. talking points in the chat there. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, a matter of fact, I'll share the first page of it with you if you allow that in and for you all perusal. And then I'll go ahead and put the link in uh, for everyone to see. It's in the chat room. The link I put the share screen up for you, Doc, is, is there. And uh, okay. there you go. We have one through 20 hand typed out for everybody. We're going to Okay, so that's there because these are the these are, you need to be prepared. Just keep right. it handy. Right. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and, and you know take this down 
Y'all can find the rest after you find that first one. Okay. I'm here to help. I'm here. To, I didn't got. I didn't got silly now, man. No, <laughs> no, that's good stuff. That's not silly. That's, that's my. That look. That's yeah. mindset shifting. <laughs> but I also wanted, um, I wanted to point out, like we talk about the impact on behavior. One of the reasons I brought that up is because it comes back in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Especially as a young man, if nobody has sat you down mm-hmm. and explained what the motivation is and what mm-hmm. ways it can present itself, sometimes you know certain women's actions will go over your head. You know, there mm-hmm. are things that I experienced that I'm telling you. It wasn't nothing. You can call it. You can call it you, it, the Most High, the universe, the ancestors. Mm-hmm. It wasn't nothing but or blind luck that, mm-hmm. that got me through some of these situations that I just wasn't prepared for. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what people's motivations could be, especially from little old me. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. see it. So, mm-hmm. so it, you know, some of these things I want to kind of get on the record in terms of how they can tend to happen. So, for example, mm-hmm. I had a situation where. There was a woman I used to date when I was doing my master's mm-hmm. and she called me, what, 15 years later while I was okay. here in Fresno. And she okay. said, look, if you just will get me pregnant, oh, no. we'll oh. be a housewife, oh, no. you can pay the bills and I will be the best housewife you've ever seen and blah, blah, blah. Nope. blah. I, nope. I made eyes on her nope. 15 years. Nope. You know what I mean? And so by the time, and what dawned on me is if it, if it took you, if you calling somebody from 15 years ago, you didn't call a few people for what yeah. is you hey, She's hit the wall. Well, yeah, she post wall. There, well, yes, absolutely. But, you know, at a, at a different time in my life, I wouldn't have understood, you know, those mm-hmm. kind of things. And I'm just saying, but when you, but when you align this with what we're saying about policy, mm-hmm. yeah. it's a mm-hmm. policy you can mm-hmm. then better see why she's making that call. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, even in the last five years, I've had women come up and ask me, look, I promise not to take you to, to family court. Mm-hmm. If you oh. just let me have a baby. And you can't and you can't negotiate child support away ahead nope. of time. It's not it, like not up where you can arrange what you'll get after the marriage. That the 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 child the the the, the child support system. Yeah. That's subject to whatever the law, the regime of the law in the state where you file it, yeah. the government law says. So she yep. can't even do that. Even if you get a some sort of order, it, it doesn't matter. You know, you got a lot of these artists, they're millionaires. Look, baby, put me on mm-hmm. child support. I'll give you a million dollars. I'm going to just pay mm-hmm. you up right now. For this 18 nope. years. Nope. In two years, she'll be coming back and ask for, for an yep. increase. And you got to give her some more money. It doesn't yep. work like that. Or worse, look, or worse, they'll say, well, any money that you gave before we established this court order will be treated as a gift. I've yeah. seen that done in family court, too. Yeah. Yeah. Look, yeah. And I, I know men who will keep they'll keep the receipts for their rims, mm-hmm. for the parts. They done, look, they done customized and tricked out their car. They got every receipt down to every nut bolt, mm-hmm. but yeah. he won't keep his receipts on money he gave baby mama. I got a better one for you, uh, Mr. Smith. I've seen situations where women will take the man's money under the table all the way up to the child is about 15 to 16 years oh, old, then yeah. turn right back around and put the man on child support through the court system and get yep. 16 years worth of back child support yep. plus arrears. Plus so now interest. he has to pay two, $300,000 in child support, Absolutely. which includes the arrears, and she's already received the money. I know yep. another guy. His daddy is paying child support for a 45-year-old child. 
Yeah, because because of the arrears that went into yep. play. So yeah, look, don't, and, don't, and, don't, and, don't, and that and the child support arrears is not bankruptable. No, yeah. you can't discharge it. And thanks to the Bradley Amendment that at the federal level, they cannot go retroactively modify that child support. Mm-hmm. You might be able to petition a state to uh, to waive the interest, but you can't do squat with the principal. And by the way, yeah. if they do waive any of that interest. You're at the mercy of the particular judge who happened to walk in front of that day. And and, and, let, and let me tell you, they say black men owe 100 and I think 150 million, 150 billion dollars. Yeah. I heard this. But see, here's what you guys got to understand. Some woman went into the Medicaid office. They asked her to fill out a form and say who's the father as she was applying for Medicaid. And whether yep. he was a father or not, yep. that man is now responsible for paying his portion of that Medicaid bill. And this has been going on for the past 40 or 50 years. So a lot of that is not this man is in arrears and he hadn't paid child support. It's this woman has gotten this free health care for this child, that child, that child. Might not even be the child's daddy because they did a study in the UK and it showed that 30 percent of men are paying for children that aren't even theirs. So we have to assume that the same and similar numbers here. So that's where that child support. I didn't get a chance to say that on Fox a couple of weeks ago, but that that's where that's coming. No, and that's incredibly important because I, I point this out whenever this subject comes up. I, I cite David mm-hmm. J. Pate, associate professor of social work at University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. And he made a statement that I thought was profound. He said the government is owed one hundred and fifteen billion in child support. But 70 percent of that is owed by Americans who make less than ten thousand a year. Right. Which look, which is what you and I talked about, Hassan, is that. Yeah. That proves to me that the child support was never established based on his income. Yes. Because a lot of these guys, yes. when, I, when I've had, when I've met them, like in the fatherhood program, they had a choice. They could either be in my program or go to jail. But if you were in my program, they would pay for you to get up to an associate's degree. Mm. And I was trying to, I was trying to incentivize and motivate the brother says, instead of you Looking at this man, what she did to you, I said, you turn this thing into an opportunity, man. You could go, you could put yourself financially ahead of the game and never ever look back. Mm. But that whole thing, though, on that that they call it now, it is they deem it to be uncollectible for the most part. All right, but a person who has been making ten grand a year, there's no way you could have ever used the child support guidelines to have set him up with an arrears for a hundred thousand. When he hadn't grossed a hundred thousand yeah. in ten years, which yeah. means you would have had to take a hundred percent of what he made yeah. and apply to child support. So, yeah. what one of the things I lobbied for was that there needs to be a self support reserve in the child support calculations mm-hmm. because that man has to eat to be able to go back to work to the next pay period. Look. And if and if he can't take care of himself. Sad to say it, I've seen guys make the mistake thinking that, well, I'm going I'm to jump from job to job and, and, and try to make some money in between the time they catch up with me with the income deduction order. And, and, and what he doesn't know is some rules have been changed. Now, if you get $2,501 behind in arrears, you can be convicted. Listen mm. to it. You can be charged and convicted as a third degree felon for mm. child abandonment. So you cross that state line now, we could send the FBI to pick your black behind up and drag you back. Hmm. And once you listen, once you get classed as a felon, I know what happens to my security clearance. 
I know yeah. what happens to my employability in mm. a high trust industry. And by the way, they they see no reason to reduce the child support because if you got convicted, they said you got convicted because of your own actions. So we're not going to reduce the child support. Now, that's going to put the guy on a carousel getting out of jail. Yeah. And he's going to go back to jail. Look, 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 we got 368 likes. Like the, the broadcast, please support the channel. But I want to say, and I've said this before on my show, but it's pertinent at this moment. I have a stepfather here in Fresno, right? He's in his early 70s. Mm. He has cancer. Mm-hmm. He shines shoes for a living. The man doesn't take a dime from nobody without working for it to this mm-hmm. day. He is still paying child support on my stepbrother, who's a month younger than me. I'm 46. Mm-hmm. Here's the kicker. His ex-wife, my stepbrother's mother, she died in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. He's still paying child support on her now with cancer in his 70s. This is no joke. That's this a up here talking about this because these policies have us mm-hmm. shackled in a way that mm-hmm. our women not experience. In fact, they benefit from, which is part of the schism mm-hmm. that has separated black men and women and produced that entitlement that I've talked about, that Brother mm-hmm. Carnell's talked about, Brother Dennis has talked about. Mm-hmm. It's produced a very divergent way of seeing the world. And this yeah. is one of the things I'll be doing probably in the next week and a half. I'll be doing a broadcast on uh, the Institute for Black Male Studies, and it's going to deal with the 10 policies that broke the black family. So look out for that. that that's coming soon. But, 1970s um, through the 80s. You know, and and, and, and the, the other thing, there's something I wanted to respond to mm-hmm. that Brother Dennis said a little while ago when you were talking about, um, you know, the, the kinds of things that, um, you know, negotiations that, you know, men can make with women that end up hurting them in the long run. I'm mm-hmm. sticking on this theme of scary things that okay. I've seen and experienced. And this is one of the scariest things I've ever seen. I was I was dating a woman and she came to visit me. Because, you know, I'm in Fresno, so anything I do is going to end up being long distance. You know, it is what it is. Nobody wants to really move to Fresno. But Mm. she came to visit, and I got up the next morning, and she was sitting in my living room on the couch with her attorney, working out how to find more and more of her ex-husband's money. His distant cousins, they were pretending to be other people to get information. On, and I'm sitting in the hall, I'm standing in the hallway. She's sitting on the couch and she's and she's got a pen and paper and they they jotting down their battle plan. And I'm listening. And I'm like, and I just hear this voice in my head, that can be you. And yep. <laughs> A very short yeah. period of time, and just think he married her for love, he fell in love. There it look is, look, and there that was is. his boo. She'll never do him wrong. Dang. Love her so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get a prenup, fellas. Get a prenup, get a post-up, get that prenup revamp every two or three years. Mm. Be heartless like Uncle me. Yep. You know something, Dennis? What I what I observe a lot of brothers until you help them get out of this mindset. They have an aversion to to getting involved with a lawyer. I'm oh, like, yeah. and I tell them, I was like, you idiot. I says, yeah. a a good lawyer will save you money. And I says, listen, the reason I've had such great success, the attorneys tell me says, you get us involved early. early. And you talk, look, and you talk to us about what you're contemplating 
because I want to know the right way to do it so it will work rather than come to you saying, look, I I, I, I effed up and I need you to help get me out of something. Mm. See, you know, the thing is, let me tell you something. I'm a lawyer, right? And it's things that I would tell my close friends mm-hmm. and it's things that I would tell my, my family that I would never tell a client who I just met. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what you want to do is become friends with a lawyer, somebody who's knowledgeable and knows things because he's going to protect his family. He's going to yeah, well, yeah, he might not give you advice, but he might say, well, you know, I know a guy, he was getting mm-hmm. a divorce and, uh, what he ended up doing was putting all his money in this, uh, what is that called? A, uh, a, a, a local bank in another city outside in another town. So it was outside the subpoena power of the family court law. And mm-hmm. as long as he didn't reveal it, there's no way they could find out about it. Exactly. 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 Look, now, I'm and- not telling you that that's what you should do during your uh, divorce proceedings. But right, right, right. I'm just telling you this was what that guy did. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. I'm telling you that, you know, I remember one day I was in law school. I had this old Irish guy. And he was teaching me conflicts of law. And he said he had a situation where, and this is some situation he was going through. I'm just telling you guys what my law mm-hmm. professor told me 23 mm-hmm. years ago. He okay. said, so the guy was trying to get custody of his kid and the mother mm-hmm. wouldn't do it. Come to find out the child comes home and says, uh, yeah, you know, uh, mommy has a new boyfriend. He has a lot of tattoos and he has a gun at the house. Mm-hmm. The daddy already knew that the ex-boyfriend was an ex-con. So what he ended mm-hmm. up doing was calling the police and said, there's an ex-con over here with a gun. They arrested him. He took that arrest report down to the family law judge and say, it's in the best interest for you to get this kid out of here because she's got felons in the house with guns. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to advise you to do that because, first of all, I don't practice family law. Second of yeah. all, I would never tell you to call the police on your ex-girlfriend and her baby daddy who's a felon with a gun in the house. I would never do that. Okay? That's none of my business. That's probably mm-hmm. unethical. I wouldn't do that. I'm just telling you what my law professor told me. And see, mm-hmm. these are the type of conversations that, mm-hmm. that you have when you have friends who know things. See, a lot yeah. of us, we still want to be cool with the homies. Yeah. We still want to hang out with Pookie and Ray Ray instead of hanging out with people who can actually help me. My friend mm-hmm. is Dr. Theostan Johnson. Do you know that? My friend, my new friend is Carnell Smith. These are people that can help me. You need mm-hmm. you brothers who are moving up into the middle class. You need to change mm-hmm. your circle of friends. And what mm-hmm. that'll also do, your friends will tell you, man, you need to leave that hood rat alone. You need to leave that thought alone. You need oh. to recognize that that clown has two or three other kids by two or three other people. We know her reputation in this neighborhood. Leave her alone. I'm not saying all women are perfect. I'm not saying mm-hmm. all women are not perfect. I'm not saying anything. All I'm saying is help yourself out by changing your level of friends and get around a different class of people who can help you. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To the legal system. I use the legal system like a big bat that I hit people upside the head with on mm-hmm. behalf of my class. Don't you think I would go out of my way to at least give my good friends some advice? Don't you mm-hmm. think I would at least hint to my friend or family member, look, man, maybe you should think about this. I'm not giving mm-hmm. you advice. I'm not your lawyer, but this is what I heard. Not advice. Mm-hmm. This is how things go. But other than yeah. that, you know, guys, you, you you got don't run away. You know, another thing, man, and I don't want to go off subject, but oftentimes we look at the brothers and sisters who made it and mm-hmm. we call them. Jobs. So they're no longer yeah. black. Because they've entered into the middle class or the upper middle class. I'm having a conversation on Friday about brothers like Robert T. Uh, Robert, Robert F. Smith. Is he still black enough to be able to help 
black people because he has mm. a wife that's not black? Why mm. wouldn't he want a billionaire to help black people? I just, you know, I, I mean, I myself, I, I have a black ex-wife. I have a black mother, some black sisters. But my mm. new lady is Afro-Latina, which means she's black of the African diaspora, mm. but she's not Asian. Does that mean y'all don't want Uncle D to give y'all advice anymore? Because I'm mm -hmm. sure there's plenty of Dominicans that would love to adopt me and take mm -hmm. my money that I'm paying and all this different stuff. I'm, I can learn to speak. I could give all them Dominican dudes all this good advice that I'm giving y'all. Is that what y'all want? Mm -hmm. Y'all really want to trade Uncle D in? I'll go. I like the island. You see what I'm saying? So what I'm saying, you guys, is stop doing that. You need yeah. that talented tip. Somewhere, Dr. T.S.R. Johnson, We've been told that the talented tenth is bad. The talented tenth will save your ass. Okay, brothers, those are the people you need to become friends with: the doctors, the lawyers, the engineers, the business owners, all these mm -hmm. hell, the plumbers, all these people. You need—they have resources, they have knowledge. Yeah. So don't do yourself like that. Well, and, and we got to add. Look, I've seen. Yeah. And I think we've all seen people who've mm -hmm. taken advantage of folks, who've exploited yeah. folks, who've done all kinds of things across the class spectrum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not inherently a moral good to be poor. It's no. not inherently a moral good to be wealthy. No. It not, no. you know, it, as a matter of fact, it's interesting you mentioned what you did a moment ago, uh, Dennis, because I just posted an article on Facebook about a, a man whose ex-woman is, I guess she's in a new relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And this brother uh, was upset at the biological father because he took his child, uh, you know, on a weekend or whatever. Uh -huh. so he showed up. So I, I know I'm not explaining it well. Right. But he showed up to the biological father's house. Right. Because the mother was upset that the biological father took the child. So he showed up at the biological father's house and shot up the house with the son in it. Mm. Right. So, so we can see that this. There's all kinds of chicanery going on across the level. And there's another uh -huh. thing I want to mention. I've been seeing a lot of videos lately that are focused on high value. Right. Mm -hmm. and one of the things I've been hearing just even in the last day was in multiple videos that if you if you get to this upper echelon in terms of class, all your problems go away, especially in regard. Oh, they, don't. They, they just change levels. They, it, it, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I grew up in the era where women told us we needed six figures to get in a relationship. I mean, right. it wasn't something yeah. my grandmother's generation had. My mother's generation didn't have that. But our generation had it. And when I when I achieved it, one of the mm -hmm. things I noticed is nothing changed. Nothing changed, man. Look, look, yeah, they just, just they raised the amount. I don't know if you've listened to the latest uh, issue of City I Girls. Want, I, I just want to finish this last sentence. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna come to you. The the story I told about the woman sitting on the couch. Yeah. Had a PhD. Mm. Lived in an eight hundred thousand dollar house. Mm. This is not limited to, you know what I mean? These, this, this can come from anywhere. But go ahead, brother. Finish your statement. No, I was just going to say, adding on to that, man, if you now they want an eight figure ninja. If you listen <laughs> to the latest, because look, my girlfriend is young. So I'm listening to the city girls. Man, I know all the, I know what's the name? Sweetie, Sweetie. I know all the songs. And the city girl said, eight, they want an eight figure ninja now. Okay, six, that's nothing. Are you kidding me? Eight figures, they get in the bag. I listen to all the latest hip hop, man. Uh, uh, what's the name? S Sweetie, the little Asian girl. Uh, I listen to the one, the light skinned girl that got everybody mad because she made the song about red bones. Uh, 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 I got, I listen to all that, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm, 
they they've changed. They need more money now. But that's six, that's six figures. Are you kidding me? That's nothing. Okay, yeah. they you got not only do you have to be in the top one percent, you got to be in the top point tenth of the one percent. You hear me? In order to satisfy these ladies. So all mm -hmm. I'm saying, Doc, is 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 the closer you get to that goal that they say they want then it, it, it increases. It's, it just moves. It yeah, just it moves. Just moves they move the goalposts. Yeah, and Birkin bags, they want, have you priced the Birkin bag yet, man? Do you know that a used Birkin bag is like $20,000 for 20 Gs, bro? And we're in a pandemic. You understand what I'm saying? That's why they need more child support. And if you guys were sensitive uh, women, you would understand, okay? Because you guys are chauvinists. You're the patriarchy. You don't understand what women have to go through, okay? They need... That $25,000 Birkin bag, and you don't, you're not a real man if you can't get that Birkin bag for them. Okay. Well, right, right, right. <laughs> let me, let me tell you something, brother. Yeah. Uh, brother Sperling, my comic book collection cost me about $20 a week. So mm. I can mm. stick with my childish comic book interests as opposed yeah. to that. That's just absolutely. 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 Can I say something? Something I observe that. We can help the brothers who are willing and able to make the mindset shift. But if they don't bring those two to the table, I don't waste my time. I don't try to drag nobody. I don't I have people who say they want to do consulting with me, and then then they want me to convince them of whether or not I know anything to help them. Mm. I'm like, man, go Google me. Mm. And if you can't figure out anything i said you want some references you could talk to references so one thing i did in the fatherhood program um i got all of the guys to look around in the class and the white guys thought they were being treated unfairly mm. the black guys thought they were being treated unfairly the hispanic guys thought they were being treated unfairly and the mexican guys you know, and Hispanic come in different flavors. You know what I mean, right? Oh, okay. All right. So, and and you can't call somebody who's from from Nicaragua. You can't call him <laughs> Mexican. That that gets you into a fight. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. But one of the things I got them to see, I said, "Listen, you guys are all encountering sim similar problems with the way the system treats men, but at different levels." Right. Right. So. I, I persuaded them to to join me on some legislative reform and took them down and show them that you don't have to have a college degree to be a citizen advocate. Mm. You can find out who your state representative is and you can talk about how an issue affects you and how proposed legislation could improve your life, your community's life and for others who are similarly situated. Right. Mm -hmm. got those guys together and got them to see what happened when they started working together as one unit mm -hmm. and a brotherhood. We were able to get legislation that made it much easier now for a dad to legitimate his child. Cause you can't get parenting time. <laughs> if you don't get legal recognition as a legal dad, <laughs> You, you can be ordered to pay child support because you signed that during confession paper. You know, that one where I confess I am the father. <laughs> I don't have no proof. She told me it was my baby looked like me. Mm. She didn't tell me them other four dudes looked like me, too. And mm. one of them is my cousin. Mm. Oh. Mm. But these men 
changed their mindset when they saw that it didn't take 10,000 people yeah. to bring about legislative change that would help them and that their voice did matter in spite of, I got a record, man, I done, I done messed up before, man, I'm barely hanging on now. Mm. And I say, fellas, all that was, was networking, showing you guys how to use your voice. I say, women been doing this for years. Yeah. I says, you can do it, but if you're not willing and able to be right. coached. Right. Because all a lot of these, these societal things where we see the men are getting, what, getting beaten with the stick, not just the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. These policies passed and got put in place, and there were no men, there were nobody speaking up on behalf of what was going to happen to men and boys. Mm. And we have been fighting. Listen, we've been fighting through two uh, two presidential uh, um, cabinets cabinets mm. to establish a White House commission for men and boys. Yes. Did you know there is a high suicide rate mm. on boys between five and eleven? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Men mm-hmm. between eighteen and thirty. What happens when the fellows reach a point to where they think there's no help, there's no hope? Mm-hmm. And what are we being told uh, for years? Man, you guys not supposed don't let nobody see you cry. Don't mm-hmm. tell nobody about you got issues, man. You were supposed to suck it in, play tough, be hard. Man, he will blow up and self-destruct. And what do he end up doing? Trying to treat himself with some form of substances or other things, which what furthers the destruction of his own self. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, uh, and, and Doc, I got to go in a little. I got to go to court tomorrow, but yeah, actually, let me give you guys. guys to give your closing thoughts. Uh, so, but okay, I want to thank you both for coming. But go no, ahead. No, no problem. I think um, I have I have young sons, and mm-hmm. what I do, even as early as they could figure out that they were boys, and there's a girl over there, mm-hmm. I would show them how they're treated differently from girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a couple of instances. My son, I believe he was in the fifth grade. Some little girl stepped on his backpack. He pushed the little girl's leg off his backpack because she had broke his phone. He was down there picking it up. She stomped on it, broke his phone. Mm-hmm. He pushed her leg back. She started crying. Oh, he hit me. Mm-hmm. And then he got in trouble and she didn't. I say, son, take that as a lesson. Yeah, That's mm-hmm. how the rest of society, they're always going to team up on you. And I talk about this in my book, the weak always team up on the strong. They perceive you as strong. They perceive men as strong. And so all these people are going to team up on you and say, you can take it. There was another Mm -hmm. instance with my youngest son, Roman. I said, look, son, you boys are old enough now that you need to understand how you need to operate and how you need to operate as well. Basically what I'm doing is I'm red filling them uh, to take a turn from the manosphere as early as possible. Because Mm -hmm. see, by the time you get a guy who's 45, 50 years old, he's already indoctrinated into that you know, sugar and spice, everything nice. Women are, you sure. know, lollipops sure. and slides. And he, he doesn't recognize it. They're human beings just like you you are. Imagine right. if you were put in that position. You would do anything you could to win. If, if the society allowed you to win unfairly, you would. If you could bring a Tyrannosaurus Rex to a dog fight, you would. And that's what women are allowed to do. Mm. And so you have to prepare your sons early on. As far as older men, some brothers, man, they just going to have to, you know, some men, they're just going to have to suffer. If they're not, mm-hmm. if they don't love and care for themselves enough to put themselves first, 
then unfortunately you can't bring them along with you. But but what I do with my sons is I speak honestly to them. I don't tell them lies about women. I say, look, she's selfish. She's jealous. She's envious, just like men are. She's violent. She she can curse. She can do that, just like men are. We're human beings, you know. And so I don't I don't put that shroud of of, of over over, over uh, my sons early on. That's what I do in the beginning. Now, as far as child support, if you find yourself in a position. The play is first, do not start paying anything until you get some sort of court record in place. Don't get the court record in, don't, don't pay for child support, don't pay for anything, don't sign a birth certificate until it's established in court that that's your child, which means you get a paternity test. If your woman says something like, oh, you don't believe me, you don't trust me, say, well, you know what? That's not about, that's not what we're doing. We're doing this for the best interest of the child because there needs to be clear and convincing evidence for that child. We don't ever want them to believe not. That way, what you successfully did, that's some slick stuff that I would say, you know, but if you want to just say, you know what? Yeah, I don't believe you. Bottom line is we're doing this for the best interest of the child. You make sure you get that paternity test because you will feel like an idiot. If you pay for a child for 15, 16, 17 years, you end up loving that child and dedicated to that child and feel like your heart is ripped out. And let mm. me tell you something else. And this is something we never look at because I lived this experience myself. I found out, you know, when I was a young boy that the man that I had developed this relationship with wasn't my father. So I mm. was lied to by my own mother and the man mm. who I thought was my father. What he effect is it having on these children? Yeah. So mm -hmm. we always look over the parents. Yeah, the parent, he got to mm. pay, she need to pay. What about the fact that you have a little boy or a little girl who's developed this relationship with this person who you who everybody around them is told that this is your parent what does it do to their psyche when the people that are supposed to love them the most they found out these people have lied to them their whole life see i was one of those people you guys what i'm trying to tell you is there's more than just one victim it's not just the man it's also these children that when these women lie whether they know or what they don't know you need to have that dna evidence that's the first thing you guys need after that, man, I've had a great time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Uh, mm -hmm. Car Carnell, any final thoughts? Bro? Yeah, yeah. As, as a final thought, too. There's a reason I am the paternity coach. Mm -hmm. And that is when you start to approach the family law arena, it's going to be two paths. You got to first make sure you know whether or not you are or are not the biological father as has already been stated, but you got to know there's four ways that men can find themselves being defrauded as mm -hmm. paternity fraud victims. Number one is signing a paternity confession. You don't, you don't admit to some without proof. Number two, the marital presumption, those states mm -hmm. that say you are responsible for any children your wife has while she's married to you, whether you are in the country or not. Number three, incorrect default judgment. Anytime somebody files a lawsuit against you and you know you didn't touch that woman, you still got to defend yourself or else you lose because you didn't defend yourself. Right. Number four, mistaken identity. You, An order can be placed or a collection can be placed on you based on the fact that your name's the same as the guy they got an order on. I've had a client go to jail on a child support warrant and it wasn't him and they wouldn't let him go. They wouldn't drop the issue until I got an attorney. We went to court and we were successful in getting the mother. We had them take a squad car and pick the mother up 
and bring her to court because my client, he didn't even resemble the guy described in the warrant by by melanation, the amount of melanin in his skin, his height, his weight, tattoos, nothing. So operating from a place of ignorance and fear can leave you trapped by law and financially devastated for 18 to 21 years. And if that child is handicapped or disabled, you will pay for life. For life. Imagine all of that child, not mm -hmm. yours too. Listen, you can get educated. Don't approach that family court arena trying to wing it. Don't don't skip going to a hearing because you think they got it wrong. Man, you got to always show up and advocate for your rights. I heard that. I heard that. Well, look, thank you. And I, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure. You guys can find me on YouTube at Dennis Frohling Unfiltered. And uh, yeah. I'd like to have Dr. Tia Sign Johnson come back, man. And my guys love you, man. So uh, if anytime yeah. Cardinal Spell, I need to get his guy. I might need him myself. <laughs> Bro, All right, come holla at me, man. Look, I'm I'm the paternity coach on Facebook, okay. on YouTube, mm -hmm. Instagram, and Twitter. That's my handle, paternity coach. And make sure, and also not only uh, support Dennis's channel. Uh, go check out his work if you haven't. I don't know what rock you've been sleeping under, but mm -hmm. definitely subscribe because the brother's dropping it, and he's dropping it consistently and often. So you want to pick up those gems. Also, pick up both of their books. Pick up Carnell Smith's Trap by Law. Pick up uh, Dennis Sperling's rules to live by. Support the brothers and get something out of it. You're not you're not even just donating. You are getting wisdom. So go ahead and pick up both of those texts uh, because they're needed. So I want to thank you both, fellas. Much appreciated. Thank you, Professor. Right, thanks, God. Great being back. And I'm a good counselor. Love chopping it up with you guys. Man. Yeah, man, this is cool, man. They'll grab your ass. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Hassan, you were right. This this was going. This was something good here. I told you, I was, five minutes into our interview, I said I got to get him to finish. I got to get him. Yeah, yeah. The, the engineer, the professor, and the lawyer. Yeah, man. Just be brothers, man. That's it. That's all. We just black men chopping it up for the best interests of That's our people. Man, some of y'all, some of y'all didn't see the commercial. I made it. It was corny, but I was feeling it. I was up late one night. I called us the Trilateral Commission. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was dope, man. I saw that, man. That was dope, man. That's yeah. I knew this was gonna happen. I just, I said, this is gonna be epic. <laughs> Thank you, brothers. Much appreciated. Right. And this, right, I'm gonna get yes. you on too for Black Male Studies, brother. I got to get an interview with you there. All right, man. All, All right, right, man. Take, take it easy. Um. Okay, so y'all know uh, we are going to have office hours tonight, uh, so that is available, but y'all know how I do. Uh, we close out. I'm here to tell you, brothers, we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man-children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, brainless henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, warriors, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. All right? Y'all take it easy. Appreciate you joining me tonight. And I will see you later.